A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Get in the long pews with a bunch of demons. We believe that human beings are demons. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but... God is in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are gods by faith in his son... <laughs> Right? Two Corinthians, three seven. Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme <laughs> law. And... Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. <laughs> so put your trust in the sovereign reason king. what's going on everybody welcome back to the master's dog episode 65 i'm your host the evangelical norm so we're going to jump right in today to today's episode uh responding to the saints unscripted faith and belief segment of their podcast the last couple weeks, uh, David has talked about the book of Abraham and the facsimiles and the papyri and Joseph's failure to actually translate that into what it was and how that all went down. And a couple of times he made comments about, well, you know, let's look at what Joseph Smith got right. Well, it doesn't really matter what Joseph Smith got right, but today's episode of uh, our episode responding to their episode um, he's going to get deeper into that whole issue of how lucky was Joseph Smith? Was he just lucky to get these things right? And he's going strictly off of the Book of Mormon on this episode. So with all that being said, we are going to go ahead and jump in and let him talk. And probably I'm, I'm going to let a lot of this go by and address most of it at the end. So let's let David do what David do. 
and here we go. Hey guys, so as I've said many times before, the Book of Mormon is often described as the keystone of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you remove that keystone, the rest of our truth claims come tumbling down. Okay, actually no. The Book of Mormon isn't the keystone. Joseph Smith is. If, if Joseph Smith does not stand up to the uh, testings of a prophet, if he, if, he, if he shows to be a false prophet, um, then everything comes crumbling down. It doesn't matter what the Book of Mormon is, anything else. Everything hinges on Joseph Smith. And I've said this, I've maintained this for 20 plus years since I started talking about uh, Mormonism back in the late 90s. Um, wow, tw probably 24, 25 years. Um, I mean, because I was... I was talking about Mormonism before I even got saved. I was refuting the claims of Mormonism, and I maintained. Um, I remember sending an email to a buddy of mine that I worked with that, that the key um, to everything in Mormonism is Joseph Smith's uh, validity as a prophet. And so if you take that out, and I send him a whole list of false prophecies, and uh, that is the keystone, not the Book of Mormon. It's Joseph. Thus, the Book of Mormon has been the target of antagonists for almost 200 years now. In this series, we've addressed many of those critical arguments. But one thing is for sure, if Joseph was a fraud, if he just made the Book of Mormon up, in many instances, he was an extremely lucky guesser. And in this video, we're going to look at just a few examples of that. To be clear, these things do not prove that the Book of Mormon is true. <laughs> these are just some thought-provoking details that are fun to look at. Let's begin. You might have heard this one before, but at the beginning of the Book of Mormon, a prophet named Lehi travels with his family to a place near the Red Sea called Nahum, where they bury the recently deceased Ishmael. Researchers have since discovered, shockingly, an ancient burial site right where it should be, called in Hebrew NHM. Remember, vowels aren't written as letters in Hebrew. Even the most detailed maps of Joseph's state did not include this location. I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. On a related note, just a little later in the story, Lehi's group arrives at a place on the coast of the Arabian Peninsula that they called Bountiful. The scriptures make several claims about this place. There was fruit and honey. They had access to a shoreline, but also a prominent mountain as well as cliffs. There was wood for shipbuilding as well as metal ore for tools, and it was nearly eastward of Nahum. Keep in mind, the Book of Mormon claims that this place exists on the Arabian Peninsula. It's a gutsy claim, and miraculously, once again, there is at least one candidate that checks all the boxes. Another lucky guess. It's incredible. One thing people made fun of for a long time was the fact that the name Alma appears in the Book of Mormon as a boy's name. Even as recently as 2016, Pastor Gabriel Hughes wrote, Alma, for whom the Book of Alma is named, is a Hebrew name which means betrothed virgin. It would not have been the name of a man. He was obviously unaware of the Bar Kokhba papyrus found among the Dead Sea Scrolls in the 1960s, which reads in part, both of Ein Gedi and Tehina, son of Simeon, and Alma, son of Judah. According to BibleReproductions.com, one of the men mentioned in this historical record is Alma, son of Judah. This certainly provides evidence that the name Alma was used as a male name and not exclusively female, as it was earlier assumed. Turn down for what? 
Once again, Joseph catches an extremely lucky break. The Book of Mormon talks about a group of Lamanite converts called the Anti-Nephi-Lehi's who repent of their sins and bury their weapons of war. In Alma 27:22, the Nephites say, This land, Jershon, is the land which we will give unto our brethren for an inheritance. The Nephites arrange their armies to protect them in Jershon, and then two verses later we read again, This we will do unto our brethren that they may inherit the land Jershon. A few verses later, the converts took possession of the land Jershon. According to researchers at Book of Mormon Central, the name Jershon and the attending detail that it was a land of inheritance for the anti-Nephi-Lehi's is a fairly obvious Hebrew pun. The Hebrew verb, however you pronounce that, means to take possession of or to inherit. Quite literally, then, Alma 27 depicts the anti-Nephi-Lehi's inheriting or taking possession of the place of possession or inheritance. That's pretty cool, I guess. Of course, the kicker is that Joseph Smith didn't start studying Hebrew until well after this was recorded, and he never even brings this detail up, suggesting he was never aware of it. Okay, two things i got to mention here. One, we have, we have no way of knowing that Jershon, written in the Book of Mormon, actually comes from this Yerash, uh, this, this Hebrew word. Usually when you get, I mean, yes, the, the J's in Hebrew are generally a Y or, or an I in Hebrew when, when the word comes up, Yeshua, Joshua, so on. But usually there's a closer relationship to from the word Jershon and Yerosh that they, they don't really jive together. So again, I mean, like I'm going to take the word, I want more Hebrew scholarly uh, Hebrew scholars to come and say, well, yeah, Yershon, Jershon would be off of this word. I'm, I'm not buying it from Book of Mormon scholars. Okay, so there's one. And then can we just look at the, the elephant in the room, the anti-Nephi-Lehi's? What kind of name is this? Really? The anti-Nephi-Lehi's? Really? Really. Really. That's a pretty lucky guess for someone just making names up. You're the luckiest guy I know. Luck ain't got nothing to do with it. The list goes on, and I've done a couple other episodes that bring up some other fun things, but you get the point. Again, these things don't prove anything. Maybe Joseph had an Arabian Bedouin neighbor who was like, let me tell you about this place called Nahum. But as things start to pile up and you start to think about the odds, it leads to some important questions. If Joseph was a fraud, did he just get lucky or did... Sure, sure. Okay, before we get into answering these questions again, he keeps saying, well, this doesn't prove anything. No, it doesn't. But he's really trying to sell it as if it does. I mean, if it doesn't prove anything, then why even make the video? I mean, your whole premise is, well, he got these things right. And now you're going you're gonna to present these questions and make it sound ridiculous to say he was wrong because you're going to do this so again it's the the twisting of of the way that they presented it it really is almost like a gaslighting that they do to to try to go well you know was he really wrong was he well you know come on let's let's answer let's ask these questions and really kind of dig in and, and go well you know he got these things where where i mean they're not even necessarily right so again, we, we don't know. You know. Maybe there was somewhere 
in biblical or or in some reading or something that Joseph Smith had. He was not a dumb person. So he may have had access and may have found something that talked about Nahum or, or something to that effect or this land of Bountiful. Or he may have saw a map or a book or something that showed that these things were on the Arabian Peninsula. We don't know. But again, and, and so... I'm going to I'm going to let these these questions play out and we'll and then I'll deal with the rest of it. So did this uneducated farm boy have outside help? If Maybe. so, who? Who knows? And how? Sidney Rigdon, Oliver Cowdery, his parents, any of those who were were teachers or educated people. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on of influential, intelligent uh, people that Joseph Smith had around him. The Whitmers, uh, the Cowderies, you know, and, and so on. You know, Oliver Cowdery, the, the David Whitmer, the, all the different people that he interacted with. He interacted with a lot of very intelligent, um, you know, people that, that had, and then he, again, he had access to, to bookstores and libraries and all kinds of things. So yeah, there there's plenty of explanation of where he could have come up with some of this stuff. Ash. Or maybe he's not as ignorant as we thought. Maybe he's actually an extremely well-read religious evil genius. But again, where is he getting some of this information from? And after all this super meticulous secret research, why doesn't he ever point this stuff out as evidence for his prophetic nature? Or could it be that there's something else going on here? Like maybe he was just telling the truth. So what you have to ask yourself is what kind of person are you? kindness sees signs sees miracles or do you believe that people just get lucky i'll let you and god figure that one out check out the links in the description for more on this subject and have a great day love how he takes kind of that little jab i'll let you and god figure that out so here's the thing okay yeah there's there's plenty of explanations of how joseph smith came up with the information he did i'm not above ruling out demonic influence you know satanic influence i mean he's he's using an occult symbol he's taking a seer stone putting it in a hat and reading words off of the stone one nowhere biblically do we see anything of that sense and and it truly is it falls into the the categories of witchcraft and sorcery which are condemned by the bible and then when we stop and we look, we do not test a prophet by the things that he got right. We test a prophet by the things that he got wrong. So Deuteronomy 18, 21, 22. And you say in your heart, we may, how may we know the word that, that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is the word that the Lord has not spoken the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Verse 20, if we back up just a little bit, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. So again, we do not test a prophet off of the things that they vaguely got right. Again, I mean, it's a, it's a stretch to say that Yerash translates into Jershon. It's a stretch to say that, you know, these four figures in the facsimile number two equal the, the, the four 
quadrants of the earth or whatever Joseph Smith said they, they equated to. You know, th- that, that's stretching. That really is stretching. You know, Nahum and, and so, you know, there, there's many different possible explanations. But there's so much more that Joseph Smith got wrong. There's so many false prophecies, so many things that are inaccurate, so many things in the Book of Mormon that were plagiarized, even incorrect translations of the King James Version. So there's, there's level upon level upon level of, of proofs that Joseph Smith is a false prophet that we would never take any of the few things that he got right and say, well, here's this. I mean, he's not even getting close to Miss Chloe uh, or Cleo, or whatever that that the the Jamaican psychic lady, Miss Cleo, uh, he's not even getting close to her level of accuracy. I don't think so. He has proven over and over and over and over to be a false prophet. I mean, again, it's it's like taking somebody who is absolutely guilty of of numerous crimes. And then bringing in the few good things that he did. Well, you know, Your Honor, yeah, he he murdered people, and he, you know, he was he was a, a crack dealer, and and you know, and all this stuff. But he he bought Girl Scout cookies, and 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 he donated some money to the the kids club down the street. We don't do that. We do not do that. You cannot go. Well, he got lucky and got a few things. Well, he got a few things right, so he must have just been really lucky and make it into this, this, you know, this this ridiculous claim, you know, as if we are being ridiculous to go. Well, Joseph Smith the fraud. Well, he got these things right. Well, so he got so many more things wrong, and that is what makes Joseph Smith a false prophet, and that is what brings the entirety of Mormonism crumbling to the ground. The Book of Mormon is, is meaningless. It's a it's a, a a fairly okay piece of uh, you know 19th century pseudo Christian literature. I mean, again, Mark Twain said it was chloroform in print. So, I mean, whatever. But it's point. It's meaningless. The Pearl of Great Price. All these things mean nothing without Joseph Smith's validity as a prophet and he has been proven over and over and over again to be a false prophet that causes mormonism to crumble and my mormon friend i would encourage you to get out get away find a good bible teaching church in your area learn who jesus really is learn what it looks like to be true prophets of god the ones that are are laid out in the bible Believe in, in, in Jesus who is God incarnate, not one of many gods. The creator of all things, not a created thing. And trust in him and repent and put your faith in him and his work alone. And my Christian friend, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next week, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.